pray this morning for the people that uh, have been caught up in this uh, severe weather. The lives have been lost, homes have been lost. And we just want to remember them. Uh, and may your blessings fall on them in this particular moment. Uh, be with us as we, again, as we study this uh, chapter. Uh, be with us this coming week as we go about our daily task and always remind us that you're in our presence and that the things we do and say, we hopefully, prayerfully uh, suggest or hope that they'll be uh, pleasant to your ears. Uh, give us of our sins. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. James, first chapter. C.W. said as we read this chapter, We've been on this chapter for three weeks already. We're not through yet. <laughs> so, James. James, the brother of our Lord. And yet, he starts off the book there that he says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew tells us that Mary and Joseph had four sons. James, Joseph, Simon and Judas. And Judah, Judas wrote the book of Judah, <laughs> of Jude. He wrote the book of Jude. So we have two half brothers of our Lord writing uh, two different books. James wrote as a pastor. He was a pastor's he had a pastor's heart. He wrote as a pastor. Very interesting to me when I was looking at these facts this morning. Joseph and Mary had some sisters, but they're not mentioned. And the way this twisted mind of mine works, and somebody told me sometime, or I read someplace, that when Madonna converted to Judaism, uh, well, in the Old Testament, women were mothers and wives, and that's it. <laughs> And I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> anyway. So James, a bondservant of our Lord, in verse 1, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad readings. Now they've been dispersed for years, but after the death of Stephen, the first in the first century, they were dispersed even more. So uh, James wrote to this. Now, James the Disciple John's brother, which Jesus named Sons of Thunder, he died really, really early in the ministry. He was martyred by Herod. You find that in Acts chapter 12, where he was killed. So that took away one James, and that's one reason we know where we're going with, with this. Verse 2 Consider it all joy, my brethren. The, chapter, the, the book of James is 108 verses. Of those 108 verses, brethren is mentioned 15 times. Now, brethren is mentioned 15 times. But we're going to have a little sneeze. Y'all forgive me. <laughs> Brother and, is mentioned several more times. So he's writing to people who knew the Lord. He's writing to people who knew the Lord. Verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith in, uh, produces endurance, let endurance have its perfect results that you may be perfect and lacking nothing. But if you like wisdom, ask of God. How do we ask of God? We pray. Ask of God. 
who gives us generously without reproach. <clears throat> and look at these next three little words. And it will. It will be given to you. It's not a maybe so situation. He says he will give you wisdom if you pray. Verse 6. But, you turn the corner a little bit. But you must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surface sea driven and tossed by the wind. For any man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. <clears throat> Let him ask in faith, believing. Chuck Swindoll gives an illustration in one of the books that I'm reading. Uh, about James, and he gives an illustration of, you've heard it before, of the natives when they want to catch a monkey, they take a gourd that's got a, a long neck and tie it to a tree and put some food in the gourd. And when the monkey puts his hand down in the, in the gourd to, to get some of it, he won't let go of the rice or the food that's in there, and he's stuck. He can't pull his hand back out. And Swindoll says this is the same thing about being double-minded. We want our way. And God wants to give us His way. And it's only when we release our own will do we have true freedom. That's the only time we have true freedom. We, we have to ask in faith and believe. Now what is faith? <laughs> We've talked about that in Hebrews. Sometimes we don't see it. The people that, the hall of fame that he lists in Hebrews, the writer, who I think Apollos wrote it, but anyway, I'm going to ask him when I get the glory. <laughs> he, he, uh, he, he, he says they didn't know. You know, Rahab didn't know what she was doing. History, history said Rahab was faithful in all that she did. <coughs> Uh, it's interesting to me that uh, the people who's in the, the line of, of, of Jesus, his lineage, you know, there were some savory characters there. Okay, that brings us to verse 9. That was just review. Verse 9. <clears throat> but the brother, but the brother of humble circumstance is to glory in his high position. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation because like flowering grass he will pass away. <coughs> Belton and I were in Dallas with John Kennedy who was killed. Belton was hanging out our diapers. And uh, <coughs> when, when we got word of all that thing, he had personal wealth. He was a rich man. He was commander-in-chief of the greatest country in the land, the armed forces. But when that bullet split the back of his head, what happened? <laughs> the only thing that really mattered is did he know Jesus or did he not know Jesus? There comes a time when a rich man's riches is worth nothing. And the poor man, he can delight in the fact that he's got a home in heaven 
equal with the rich man. Rich man. So he, James says, if you're of humble circumstances, okay. <laughs> That's okay. Trials come to everybody. We're going to see that in just a few minutes. Trials come to everybody, rich and poor alike. And he says, if you're humble, remember, remember, we're not home yet, you know. We're just sojourning here. And the rich man, sometimes riches gets in the way of a lot of things. I worked for a couple of guys in Greenland that, that, were, that were rich. They were arrogant, and they were, and they were, they were, well, I won't go into all the things that they were. But anyway, uh, they, they thought they had the world by the, by the tail, but what made them who they were was the people that they had hired. And all of a sudden, he crumbled when some key people left. Key people left. Riches won't get it. There'll come a time when Donald Trump's riches won't amount to nothing. Won't amount to much. Anything. Does he know the Lord? Or does he not know the Lord? So we see here, we see here, a brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation. Because like flying Flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises, and a scorching wind that withers the grass, and the flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man, in the midst of his pursuits, will fall fell away. Fade away. It's just, it's just one of those things. Troubles, trials. Verse 12. Blessed is the man who preserves under trial. Well, perseveres. Pardon? Perseveres. Perseveres under trial. My conscience over here. <clears throat> Mark Anthony was a famous Roman statesman from 83 to 90 to 30 BC, a supporter of Julius Caesar and eventually one of the three rulers of the empire. That silver-toned warrior could sway the masses like, oh no, other men in his dying. Not only did he have the gift of dynamic public speaking, he always also was a cunning general and a brilliant thinker. Yet his military and intellectual skills weren't enough to conquer his moral weakness. In fact, he was described by one historian as a colossal child capable of conquering the world but incapable of resisting a pleasure. That indictment could be made to far many Christians today. They're super saturated with education, biblical knowledge, inspiring examples of moral success, 
sober, sobering warnings from moral failures. Yet too many of them have driven headlong into temptation, suffering disaster at work, church, home. Temptation knows no limits. It respects no title. It plays no favorite. It ignores all human obstacle, ob obstacles. Cares nothing about the time of day or night. Camouflages itself in any situation. Preparing to pounce at any moment. Temptation has many faces. Stealing. Lying. Gossiping. Cheating. Envy, striving for popularity, vying for power, the list seems endless. Seems endless. Okay, back to verse 9. I'm sorry, back to verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been Approved. Let's stop right there. Turning your Bibles to Ephesians 2. Um, if you're in James, you need to turn left. Uh, Ephesians 2. And let's look at verses 4 through 9. <coughs> Anybody read that? Ephesians 2, 4 through 9. God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace we have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Okay. Verse 4. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us, made us alive with Christ. By grace have you been saved. Verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourself is the gift of God. Back to James. Okay. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial once he has been approved. Um, that might not be the word you have in your text. It stood the test is ESV and NIV. But basically it means once you've been saved, once you've been saved, see what happens in the rest of that verse. He will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So blessed is a man who's been saved. He received the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. 
And he himself does not tempt anyone. When James started the book, in verse 2, he says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when? Art brought that out when he taught this verse. When you encounter various trials. It's a, it's a given. <laughs> when you invite and when you get these various trials. James said a little bit different in verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted. I am being tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. And he himself does not tempt anyone. Verse 14. But each of one is tempted when he is carried away by his own, excuse me, when he is carried away enticed by his own lust. And when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. I got right with the Lord when I was in college. I grew up in a, in a Baptist church and, and I was saved in a Baptist church and I had to work through that. But as far as knowing the Bible, he was this retired missionary from the Belgian Congo. That's <laughs> a long time ago. They don't even have that place anymore. You know. But she taught us something and she was very very word pictures and I can understand and she told me one day she said Bill you can't keep the bird from flying over your head but you can keep it from building a nest in your hair when we are tempted temptation itself is not a sin but when we sit still long enough for the bird to build a nest, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. There's all kinds of uh, places in Scripture that you can go. This afternoon, when you get your cup of coffee and you're quiet, get your Bible and go to <clears throat> 2 Samuel 11 and 12 and read about uh, David, about David's sin. But I want us to go to Joshua. Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. You remember the story? They had just uh, they had just <clears throat> defeated and, and they got Jericho and marching in and the Lord had blessed them and they had gone to Ai and they went to Ai and they were utterly defeated. And, and uh, uh, Jacob petitioned the Lord. And he said, Joshua, there's sin in the camp. Sin in the camp. And they went through a series of things to find the person who had committed the sin. And that's, uh, <clears throat> look at verse 19 of chapter 7. And Joshua said that, Achan, 
My son, I implore you, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel. Give praise to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. So Achan answered Joshua and said, Truly, I have sinned against the Lord, and I am God of Israel. And this is what I did. Verse 21. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful mantle from Shinar, and 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold of fifty shekels of weight. I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are concealed in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath it. This is what happens when sin goes to its end. And it's classic. Same thing happened to David. Same thing will happen to us. It happened to Achan here. First thing, when I saw, well, the sawing is not the problem. When he saw it, that wasn't the problem. When you have that thought, that's not the problem. But what's the next thing he did? He said, I I wanted it for myself. I wanted it for myself. <clears throat> Pastor Larry mentioned this Wednesday night in, in our study in first, <clears throat> first Corinthians. And as much <clears throat> marital counseling as Buck and I have done through the years, <clears throat> we know how it is. Our office romance. It doesn't just... <laughs> wake up one day and said, I'm going to have an affair. That doesn't happen that way. <laughs> but it's the little glance and the little smile and the little pat on the back and the little extra attention. All of a sudden we like that attention but because maybe we're not getting that attention at home. Um, it's not the look. It's not the glance. But you need to stop it there when it goes to a pat on the back and something else. <clears throat> We've counseled people before and they says, well, I kissed him one time. <laughs> Didn't fall off the turnip truck. <laughs> There's more to the story, but we, we have a little admit that he kissed him. Human nature hadn't changed. I saw I coveted, I took. I caught Saul, I coveted, I took. When you read 2 Samuel and David, he was up, he was up where he shouldn't have been. He shouldn't have been on in Jerusalem. He should have been at war with his men, but he was up walking around on the on the terrace and he saw Bathsheba. That wasn't the problem. But he went to the balcony and started looking. He started the bird nest right there. And it went from there. Temptation is around us on every, every side. Not just these type of temptations. 
temptations for greed, temptations for more money, temptations to do uh, uh, anything else that's not with the Lord. You know, and this laundry list that, that Chuck Swindoll just mentioned. All these things come to play. Come to play. Back to James. Back to James. Verse 14. But when, but each of one, excuse me, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. What did Jesus say? Adultery? Don't even look with lust in your heart. Don't even look. Each one is carried away and enticed by his own lust. 15. And when lust has conceived, it brings birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Go to John. That's still you might need to turn left. Go to John chapter 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Sunday school class at home years ago 